Good morning, Boker Tov. It's great to see everyone. Baruch Hashem, I'm glad to see that we're growing. We'll have to figure out uh, what we're going to have to do with space. Can't hear? Oh, no, no, I'm good. Thank you so much. My other mother. I appreciate it. Um, if you've not yet joined Friends of BRS, Linda is here. She's happy to sign you up. Members of BRS, thank you for providing the campus and my salary and the framework. Non-members of BRS who enjoy our programs and classes, we love you, we welcome you, we invite you, and we cherish you, and we invite you to do your part to contribute as well. You can by joining Friends of BRS. Many, many, many have been joining. Linda gets a bonus if she signs up enough people. <laughs> Happens to be the bonuses in the world to come. But So help Linda. Help Linda earn her world to come. Okay, I want to thank our sponsors for the Amuna series for the year. Doctors Avi and Bella Morgan, thank you so much for your generosity. They sponsored the Amuna Shear in memory of somebody who was the embodiment of Amuna, Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit. Baruch Tzvi ben Ruvay Nassan, his neshama, should continue to have an aliyah. This morning's class in particular as well, sponsored by Joshua and Amanda Pransky, and continue thanks to Hashem for saving them several years ago in a, a terrible car crash 10 years ago. We're grateful that they are well and healthy and alive and wish them many, many more years in good health. Okay, we are still in Emunaso Yechia, the Sefer of Revol Be'an Emuna. And essentially, if you haven't caught on yet, whether you're here in person or you listen online, we basically say the same thing every single week. And uh, we, I say it for me, because every week, in between the weeks that we learn, I forget. And it's hard to remember. And we confront in our lives all kinds of challenges, situations, conflicts, struggles, anxieties. And if we don't work out, then we're not uh, strong and prepared for when we need to tap into that reservoir or bank account or engage those muscles of Emunah to be able to withstand. So we just find other Divrei Torah and new stories to essentially say the same thing every week. I'm only sharing that because I want you to know I know that too. You're not onto me. I know it also. Okay. So Revob has been talking about Yira ve'emunah, the relationship between Yira, living a life of awe, or we would translate as fear. Fear has two levels, Yira sa'onesh, fear of punishment, and Yira sa'romamus, we've talked about. With our children, we don't want them to be obedient because they're afraid of the punishment. We want them to walk in our ways because they admire and they're in awe and they would never want to disappoint or let us down. And the same is true in our relationship with Hashem. We should be doing all the right things, the moral things, the ethical things, the correct things, the righteous things, not because we're afraid I'll lose the job or it won't work out or it's not going to happen or I won't get the nachas or I'm going to get a bad health report. It's not because of fear of punishment. It's not external, it's internal. It's because we have such an awareness and awe of Hashem, we would never want to let Him down. We'd never want to disappoint Him. It doesn't matter what age you are, you don't want to disappoint your parents. You could be 80 and your parents are 105, and at 80 years old, you're still, uh, you're still wanting to give nachas ruach to you, you're still a child, you're still a kid. Nothing is as satisfying as giving your parents pride. And sometimes it's very painful to feel that you've disappointed your parents. You've violated their dreams, their hopes, their wishes, their aspirations for you. And so Avinu Sheba Shemayim, our Father in Heaven, doesn't want us to follow His ways because we're afraid lightning will strike. He wants us to have a relationship with Him out of admiration, awe, and respect. So Revolb has been developing this notion of the relationship between Yira and Amuna. It's not if I believe in God, then I will have awe of Him. 
It's if I have awareness and awe of him, then I will develop an amuna in him. And that was what we read every single day in our davening. They saw the outstretched hand. So when you live your life and you look around and you say, wow, that same word yira means fear or awe and also means to see. You're only going to have awe when you bother stopping, looking up, and to see. This week's parsha, Moshe is recruited by the Almighty to be the quintessential paradigmatic leader of the Jewish people in perpetuity. That's his name. Moshe Rabbeinu, forever. He demurs, he hesitates, he doesn't want it, and God convinces him later, he holds him accountable for the fact that he had to negotiate. But where did God appear out of? A snare, a bush, which was? It was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. You know, they like to say, where do you see the notion of a grandchild in the Torah? We say in Yiddish, a grandchild's an enikal. Where do you see the word enikal in the Torah? The snez, enenu ukal. It was not being consumed. Enenu ukal, enikal. On fire, if a person merits three generations, if a person merits to be able to transmit values and ideals and a lifestyle to a third, a lifestyle to a third generation, enenu ukal, It'll never be consumed, it'll never be extinguished, it'll never be burnt out. That is the uh, notion of a grandchild. Enikal, enenu, ukal. So you have this bush, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. It is the symbol of Jewish leadership, that our mission is to be on fire and never burn out. Not easy. There's all kinds of rabbi and rebbits and conferences, how to avoid burnout. You people don't make it easy. It's not easy. Not you people, not you, you're wonderful. Not you, the people who don't show up to the Amunashir. <laughs> so that's the mission of this, the symbol of this bush. It's on fire, it's not being consumed. You have to be on fire and passionate, inspired, and never allow yourself to burn out. Never be burnt out. So Akash Baruch Hu sees, everybody else is walking by, and Moshe stops and sees this very unusual phenomena. It is violating the rules of nature. There's something extraordinary going on. And everybody else walks right by it, and one person stops to take a closer look, and Hashem says, he's my man. Kisar liros. Hashem says, you know why I've recruited you, why I'm choosing you? Kisar liros. You stopped and you turned to see. Everyone else kept walking. And the image I have is of thousands of people. There's this incredible phenomena happening. And everyone is walking by, texting, looking down, scrolling, Snapchatting, Facebooking, checking the news and the stocks and the sports scores, and everyone is looking down. So they're walking right by this incredible miracle going on before their eyes. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the one person who's in the moment. He's mindful, he's present, he's yireh, he's looking and he's seeing. And when you look and when you see this world, you realize there's awesomeness. There's God everywhere. He's everywhere. He appears everywhere. And Hashem tells him, Kisar Liros, you stopped in order to look. And that's why you're my man. That's why you're my leader. It's not your righteousness. It's not your brilliance. It's not your genius. It's not your character. It's the fact that you live a life of awareness, of mindfulness, of presence. You're looking and you're living and you're seeing me everywhere. You're my man. I want a relationship with you. The Katzkarebbe says that that's our mission is to live a life where our eyes are open and our ears are perked up and our antenna is extended and in every day we're living our life saying, Hashem, where are you? Bless you. Where are you? Where are you? Kutzker says, we say this in our Kedusha. I love this Kutzker Vort. We say in Kedusha, Ayei 
Makom Kvodo. And the Kotzker says, not, don't read it, Aye Makom Kvodo, where is the place of your glory? But Aye, when a person is asking, where are you? They have found Makom Kvodo. You have discovered God. Asking, where are you, is how you find him. That's where he's found. He's found in the search, in the question. He's found in your eyes being open and you're looking and the awareness. And that's why the same word, yira, yira, the same word to see, to be seen, and to live with awe and fear. Because if you live life looking down at your smartphone, if you live life as a narcissist, self-centered, <laughs> egotistical person only looking in yourself, then you're missing everything going on around you. I remember several years ago, five, six, seven years ago, is he a famous musician, Josh Bell, Joshua Bell, is that his name? So, so he, they, they did an experiment where he went and he played in a subway. And they wanted to see how many people would stop. You know what it cost to pay a ticket to go here at Joshua Bell and Carnegie Hall? What it cost, what you'd have to pay. So they said, let him play for free, sitting on the ground in a subway station in Manhattan. And you know, like 90 plus percent of the people walked right by. Walked right by because they were running somewhere, doing something, engrossed in a conversation, had the headphones on, were looking down at the phone, and it's similar to Moshe Rabbeinu and the Sneh, Lahavdil. There are extraordinary talents and art and people and things, and they're going on all around us. An amazing animal, a little critter walking, a beautiful flower, a magnificent moment of nature, a beautiful person that you can just capture, and a really an older person with a young person engaged. There are moments that if you'd look, you'd be filled with a sense of awe. But we're so distracted and we're so busy, we don't even see it. And that's why the formula, the order is, first you have to look and see. God's outstretched hand, it's all around us. God has an outstretched hand. Every time an iron dome blows up a missile headed towards Israel, that's Vayar Yisrael Sayyad Agdola. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Vayiruha Hashem. And then you have to look at that phenomena and say, in that, Vayiruham, what do you see? You see a lizard. You see a coincidence. You see chance. You see the Grand Canyon of the Swiss Alps. You know what I see? I see the Ribbon Shalom. I see the Almighty. We just had in the daf two days ago, Started the new cycle of Daf Yomi, the Gemara, the first parak of Brachos, I think it was Daf Yud. It says, don't read it, ain't sur ke'elokeinu, but read it, ain't sayar ke'elokeinu. Not there's no rock like God, ain't sur. God is our rock. He is our foundation. He's whom we rely on, we lean on, we can count on. He's our rock. Ain't sur ke'elokeinu. But don't read it, say Chazal, ain't sur ke'elokeinu. They say, ain't sayar ke'elokeinu. The word sayar means. There is no greater artist in the world. We had the great merit and the great privilege a couple years ago. We were at Glacier National Park in Montana. And last year we were at the Swiss Alps. And please God, this coming summer, please join us. Rusta Gelligan's a great tour. Where are we going? Yellowstone. Yellowstone National Park. And when you look, you could either say, ah, some rocks and waterfalls and some interesting animals. Or you could look and you could say, you know what I see? You, the tour guide, you see rocks that date back to this era, and you see coyotes and bears, and you see a waterfall. You know what I see? The Ribbona Shalom. I see the Abishtar, I see the Almighty. And if I share with you pictures, I want you to know there is no artist who can create or recreate, certainly on that scale and that magnitude. There is no artist. So it's a mitzvah. Go see those places and see not ain't Surah Kelokeinu, Ain't Sayar Ke'elokeinu. Go see that it's Hashem. 
The Mishnah Nava says anyone who interrupts their learning to see nature is liable for their life. So yeah, what's the justification? One of the shiurim I gave, that's how I get to go on these trips. One of the shiurim I gave, I spoke about many commentaries on that Mishnah. What do you mean if you interrupt your learning? A person is walking in their learning in Torah and they interrupt the learning to stop and notice, look at that beautiful phenomenon. Such a person, it's a capital crime. You're liable for your life. And the commentaries say, well, how do we do that then? How, how do I go on the tour? How do I go on that group? And the commentaries say something so beautiful. You know when you're liable for your life? When observing the nature is an interruption to your learning. But if it's a continuation of your learning, if when you see that natural phenomena and you see that miracle and the extraordinary event, person, place, thing, you say, there's the Ribbona Shalom. Look at that artist. Look what he can create. Look at the magnificence, the beauty. Then you haven't interrupted your learning at all. You've just continued it with a different vocabulary in a different way. And that's where you find Hashem. So says Revolba, it's not that, well, if I had Amuna, then I'd see Hashem everywhere. If I start seeing Hashem everywhere, you know what it'll lead to? Amuna. So if I start seeing Hashem everywhere, then even when I need Him, because I'm feeling a challenge, there's friction in a relationship in my life, there's a health crisis, there's a financial worry, there's a problem I'm encountering, there's anxiety I have about a future event. If I've worked on seeing Hashem everywhere, then I'm also going to find Him when I need Him. So if I saw him in Glacier National Park in the Swiss Alps and at Yellowstone, I'm going to find him at the red light or the delayed flight or in the doctor's office. I'm going to find him in the boardroom or in the courtroom or the operating room. If I look to see him everywhere, he's going to pop up and he's going to be present without effort because that's how I've trained myself. It's the new habit I formed. So the formula is Yira. Live with awe. Not with eh, but with wow. See Hashem everywhere. Feel his presence. Be impressed. Take a moment and realize that is incredible what just happened. I'm going to tell you a great Amuna story, I think, on Shabbos from a member who just told me a great Amuna story. I'll tell you another great Amuna story right now, but reserving the right to repeat it in another context, like a, like a shir, like a drusha. We had over somebody a couple months ago who told us she bought a cell phone at a Hamish cell phone store. In other words, that resells cell phones and resells a phone number or whatever the system is. You can probably buy airline miles there too, some potato kugel and some <laughs> pacha on the side. So she got someone's phone number and it was very annoying for several months or even longer. She would regularly get texts of people looking for the previous owner of that number. And she said she was added to countless family WhatsApp groups <laughs> as that person. And she would always have to leave these WhatsApp groups. And it was so aggravating. She saved a few dollars by buying the phone and paying for the service in this way. And it was worth it. But it was aggravating. Kept getting granted to groups and having to remove herself from groups. And it was very frustrating. One day she gets a text from a buddy of the previous owner of the phone who says, Hey, uh, Chaim, um, I'm looking to hire some salespeople for you know, my job. Do you know anybody good? I need someone. So she writes back, I'm not Chaim. I bought his phone number. I get this all the time. God bless you. And he writes back, Chaim, stop pulling my leg. I know it's you. Look, I really need to hire somebody. This is the, you know, you know my business. I'm, thank God, doing well. I need salespeople. Are you available? So she writes back, I'm not Chaim. I live in Florida. I bought the number. And, you know, thank you, but it's just delete the number. It's not him anymore. He says, one second. You live in Florida. I'm also looking for salespeople in Florida. Now, she is out of work and very much in need of a livelihood and income. Wow. 
and has been looking very hard to find a, a job, a parnasa. And she says, tell me about the job. He tells her about the job. She says, I'd be interested. He says, actually, I'm texting you from the free Wi-Fi on JetBlue. I'm on my way to Florida right now. Are you available this afternoon to meet me for an interview for the job? Meets him. It's now several months later. I saw her recently. I said, because I need the story to work out. I said, did the job work out? She says, the job not only worked out, it's do he's doing great, I'm doing great, it's working beautifully. Wow. If only he were single and they got married, the whole story would have really, really come together. But, so again, you could say, wow, what a coincidence. She got the number of the friend of the guy and he needed a salesperson and he kept pressing and she said, leave me alone, I'm in Florida. She didn't have to say, I'm in Florida. Wow, it's like the Megillus Esther. Wow, what a string of coincidences. Or you could look at the story with Yira, open your eyes. You're looking everywhere for a job. You've done your hishtadlis locally. You've networked, you've put your resume out. You've done all of your effort and your initiative locally. And Hashem sent you literally from 30,000 feet up. Hashem sent you the answer. Because Baruch literally sent to your phone the answer. You did your hishtadlis. I know she davened like crazy for it. And he sent her the answer. It's an incredible, incredible story. But you have to read the story correctly. You have to see Hashem pulling the strings from above the 30,000 feet even. Okay, so let's get into the text. Page Kuf Samach Vav. Hashem has given us a general outline about how to attach to Him, a general perspective or approach. Kadosh Baruch Hu told us, you know what our mission, our mandate is? Kedoshim tiyu. We are to live lives of righteousness and virtue and holiness. Ki kadosh ani Hashem Because God says, I am holy. Now, I can speak for the next five hours. I won't about what is the Jewish definition of holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. What is holy, holy, holy? What is holiness? Holy is not a Jewish word. We have done a disservice by having adopted Christian terminology into our vernacular, into our vocabulary, into our glossary. Sin, if you've been with me long enough to know, sin is not a Jewish word. A chayt is not a sin. It's a missed opportunity. And holy is not a Jewish word. Holy is, goes with a cross and it's on a hospital. I don't know what the word holy is. What does the word holy mean? What is kedoshim to you? Kedusha. So Rashi and the Ramban and Prushim and Arayas and it means and we're not going to get into all the definitions but what Kedusha means is that you're striving and you're reaching for something bigger and better and more. Kedusha is when you're not giving in to the animal impulse and instinct. That animal drive that says eat like an animal, live like a pig, give in to your urge, your appetite, your temptation. That's what an animal does. The animal wants something and it takes it. It doesn't ask, who does it belong to? Should I have it? The animal doesn't first take the girl out for drinks or for dinner, develop a relationship, check the resume of the other animal, the yichus, how, you know, where the animal went to seminary and who the uncles and brothers are. The animal wants something and the animal does what the animal does. And the animal does it in public and the animal does it with no boundaries, no sense of modesty. Because the animal had an impulse, the animal had an urge, the animal had an appetite and the animal fed it and gave in. And we have a nefesh, we have a nefesh bahami, we have that animal instinct in every one of us. The Yid, the Jew is made up of three souls. The animal soul, the godly soul, and the nefesh sikhli, the intellectual soul. The three. So the animal soul, the animal impulse in us says, 
Just do what you want. You have juicy gossip? Tell your friend. It's a great commodity to trade in, juicy gossip. And it feels good that you were the one with that inside information. So just give the gossip. You're not supposed to look at or say or go or do that thing, but you want to. Whether it's eating the cheesecake, or whether it's looking at the inappropriate image, or whether it's sharing the gossip, or whether it's cutting the corner of business, or whether it's being harsh and cruel of another, whatever the area arena, we have this animal drive inside of us, and the animal drive says, just do it, just give in. And the godly soul says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're godly, you have a piece of me in you. And you know what it means to be godly? You're disciplined. You have discipline. You have self-control. You can regulate your behavior. You don't have to eat that. You don't have to go there. You don't have to watch that. You don't have to say that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to feel that. You're in control. And says, God, how do I know you're in control? Because I'm in you. You're an extension of me. You are an embodiment. You're an expression of me. And God says, I'm defined by discipline and control. That is godliness. So Kedusha is... We achieve a level of kedusha of holiness and sanctity and righteousness and virtue when we say, my wardrobe won't be defined by what the secular world or pop culture is telling me is in. The tightness, the length, the sleeve, you know, for men, what I'm looking at, what is okay or moral to look at or watch or behave. It's not going to be defined by some world that is influenced by the nafish bahami, who the animal impulse is calling all the shots. I live in another plane, I live in another level. I live in a world of, of godly souls where I am striving and reaching for something so much more, something holier, something higher. For Kedusha, that's our mission, that's our mandate. Kedusha to you, God says, be the embodiment of righteousness in an immoral, corrupt world. Who, by the way, what does the world look like when everyone's just able to give in to their appetite? It's like stone Valmora, mamish. I would think that if we're living in this world of sexual revolution and freedom and gender fluidity and self-identity fluidity and everyone can have and do whatever they want and here are the only two criteria that matter does it make you happy and does it harm someone else those are the two criteria in 2020 in the united states of america and the western world as long as it makes you happy and it doesn't hurt anyone else okay. everything is game do whatever you want dress how you want behave how you want do whatever you want public private as long as it meets those two criteria it makes you happy and it doesn't harm anybody so i would think wow if we create a society like that where everyone gets to do what they want and as long as it makes them happy and nobody's hurting anyone else okay now i'm going to measure happiness pleasure health well-being mentally physically emotionally spiritually and what would you expect to find off the charts of happiness of health of wellness of stability of function and you know what you find the opposite there's more mental health challenges there's more physical health challenges there are fewer relationships that are lasting divorce and breakup and infidelity it's all happening more than ever so how do you understand that judaism understands it very well because if you have the choice of trying to figure out on your own how to get happiness or reading the owner's manual that the manufacturer gave you that says Here's how to use it to get the most out of it. Which one is going to bring you the greatest function satisfaction out of that complex entity that you're trying to utilize? The Almighty gave us the manual. He says, I designed you, I built you, I've programmed you, and here's the manual. Follow it, and you're going to live to your fittest, to your finest, to your best. Ignore it and try to figure it out on your own, and good luck, you're going to break things left and right. 
And not only are you not going to utilize it to its fullest, you're actually going to end up compromising it. And that's what we see in the world around us. Whatever you define as that which will bring happiness, there are countless people who've achieved that and they're still so unhappy. Is it money? It's a lot of rich people grossly unhappy. Is it power? Is it fame? Is it notoriety? Is it being an influencer? How many athletes and celebrities and famous people and wealthy people are numbing themselves through all kinds of substances and practices because they've reached the top of that mountain that they thought would be filled with happiness and you know what? They got there and they're just as unhappy, maybe even more unhappy than ever. And so what do you do when that happens? You have no choice but to numb yourself. So our sacred Torah Kedosha says, and I love this quote that comes from David Brooks in his book, not his most recent one about the mountains, the one before that. He has a great expression, a great chapter, and he, the, the one before that. And he says, we live for holiness, not for happiness. Jews live for holiness, not happiness. That's what the Torah Kedosha teaches us. While the rest of the world is trying to find happiness, you notice what America promises us as loyal citizens is the pursuit of happiness. You know why you're pursuing it? Because it's running away from you. You only have to chase something which is elusive, something that runs away, something which is fleeting, something which is hard to catch. So you have to run after it. It's the pursuit of it. It doesn't say you have the right to be happy. It says you have the right to pursue it. You'll never get it. And here's the thing. The more you chase it, the less likely you are to have it. And the less you're concerned with being happy, the happier you'll be. It's paradoxical. It's ironic. The more you're focused and obsessed with being happy, the less happy you are. And the less you think about and you concern yourself with your happiness, but you're focused on holiness, the more happy you're going to be in the end. So it's a perfect kedoshim to you. David Brooks didn't invent it. He just found the right vocabulary for it. Kedoshim to you, ki kadosh ani. God says, be holy because I am holy. In other words, if you want to tap into what's going to make you feel the most alive, the most fulfilled, the most gratified and satisfied, then it means you're tapping into the godliness in you. And you know how you reach that godliness? You know how you make contact with the godliness in you? By being like me, says God. I'm holy, be holy. And what does it mean to be holy? To transcend, to rise above, to control that animal voice or instinct, and to reach for something more. Stop being focused on happiness and start being focused on holiness. Okay, so if we want to attach ourselves to God, if we want to feel His presence in our life, then we have to be living of lives of, of holiness. We have to try to transcend even that which is permissible in this world. We don't believe in living aesthetic, li aesthetic lives. We are not living lives removed from the physical world. Judaism tells us the opposite. It's why I love our religion so much. For example, in Christianity, to be holy, you have to fast and take a vow of abstinence and take a vow not to speak. The more you escape this physical world, that's how you get to be holy. And the Jew says, no, that's how you're not, not how you find holiness. You know how you find holiness? By taking the physical world, not diving in head first, not immersing ourselves in it fully, but by taking from it and separating it. So Judaism says, eat! Is there a religion that has more of an emphasis on enjoying food? Is there, a people, is there a people who loves food more than the Jewish people? God says, es mein Kinder, eat, enjoy. Make sure it's kosher, make a bracha before and after, share what you have with others, like a shecha and challah and truma. 
God says, I want you to enjoy, eat. I created you. And you know why? I want you to have the greatest oneg, the greatest pleasure in the world. The pleasure you will have doesn't come from happiness. The pleasure you will have comes from holiness. You know what's even better than having is sharing. The joy, the satisfaction, the meaning when you give something, when you share what you have with someone else, the simcha that it brings. And the studies that have all shown that, they give $10 and drop someone at a mall. They say to one group, buy something for yourself. And they tell the other group, buy something for someone else. And they've measured before and afterwards all kinds of criteria and variables of health and wellness. And they find that the people who buy something for others end up measuring more than the people who buy something for themselves. So when you share what you have with others, that's what leads to more pleasure and greater happiness. That's why. So God says, enjoy the food. Enjoy the tricolor gefilte fish and 14 salads and seven side dishes and four meats and nine desserts. Enjoy it all. Enjoy it all. But it has to be kosher and it should be in theory healthy and eat the right portions and share it with others and have others at your table. Enjoy food and enjoy my world. Go see the Grand Canyon and the Swiss Alps and enjoy intimacy. It's in the ksuba. It is a marital, not right. It's an obligation. Romance and intimacy and physical pleasure is, is not only permissible in Judaism, it is a responsibility, it's an obligation. God says enjoy it, but with the right person, in the right context, at the right time, in the right modesty, filled with the right love. You see, when you take the physical world and you elevate it, and you transform it, that is holiness. But when you take the physical world and you dive into it, and you engage it like an animal, that is the ultimate of the mundane, the profane, and the secular. So where do you find God? By living a holy life. And what does it mean to live a holy life? By enriching and elevating and transforming everything that we engage. God says, I am entirely spiritual. I'm transcendent. You can't put God in a box. You can't point to him, smell him, touch him, feel him. God is not physical at all. So when we engage the non-physical side of ourselves, when we promote the non-physical side of ourselves, the spirit within us, then we are making contact with the divine. We're making contact with the divine. It's how we can have a license to operate in this world. Enjoy the physical world, but enjoy it as a spiritual being. As we've said countless, countless, countless times. It's not that you are a body and you have a soul. We are a soul and we happen to have a body. And the body is the vehicle instrument through which we engage the world, but we should never confuse who is our core, what we are at our essence. We are a soul, we are a neshama. We are a neshama. It's a great question I start asking people. Instead of, you know, Rav Gold was here recently, he encouraged us to ask, what's the good news? Which is a great question. But most people ask each other some meaningless greeting. How's it going? What's happening? What's new? I ask, how's your neshama? How's your neshama? People stop and they have to think, what is it? How's your neshama? I don't know. Do I have a neshama? Where is it? How do I measure it? How do I tell you how it's doing? I don't know. Have we ever asked our children, our spouse, have we spent a moment of hispodidus to be alone and to evaluate, how's my soul? I know how my body is because I got my mani-pedi and I got my, and I got my massage and I recently upgraded my wardrobe and I got the new lease of my car and I'm eating like a king and I'm working out four times a week and I can tell you everything about my body. My blood pressure, my cholesterol, I can tell you what my glucose level is. I can tell you everything about my body. 
Everything about my body. I go from my physical, and I take my, get on the scale every day, and I know my weight. I can tell you everything about my body, good, bad, and ugly. But how's my soul? How do you measure how's your soul? Where do you find the answer to that question? How do you understand the wellness of your soul? Have you ever stopped to think about? Have we challenged the people around us? Do we have that conversation with children and grandchildren that says, you know, physically everything looks great and I'm so proud of how you're caring for your body, but let's talk about your soul. What are you doing to nourish your soul? Because the same elements that take care of the body you need for the soul. It needs to be nourished, it needs nutrition, it needs to work out the soul, it needs enough rest. The soul needs the same elements as the body. So we all know about the body, what we're putting in and the time we spend and how we measure. But how's your soul? How's the neshama? Because the real happiness comes from when your soul is on fire, when your soul is healthy and well, when you're nurturing your soul. That's when you're alive. That's when we're alive. Why? Because that's how we get the closest to making contact with the divine. That's when we're experiencing godliness in Hashem. Mitzvah Hashem afein meviyos ha'odam ha'mekayim in l'kirvas Hashem. Baruch says, you want to connect with me? You want to feel my presence? Here's how you make contact with me. Do my mitzvah. Mitzvah means tzevis. It means a connection, a bond. When you do a mitzvah, you are connecting with God. You're connecting with God. Somebody, I was recently at an event and somebody said to me, I was at a, I was at a vort. I was at a couple, Baruch Hashem. Ken Yerbush had many simchas on... And someone from uh, Miami was there who I know. His grandfather recently passed away. So he gave me a cigar from his grandfather. And he said, this came from my grandfather. And when you smoke it, I want you to say Lila Nishama, my grandfather's name. This was from his humidor. My grandfather loves cigars. And Rabbi, I know you would never touch them, but in case you would, here's one. <laughs> and uh, how, do you think I st- how do you think I stay looking so young? So, so... In other words, what was he saying to me? And this is a terrible example, but it just came to mind. What was he saying to me? My grandfather loves cigars, and if you smoke this cigar, his cigar, you will connect to, to my grandfather. It'll be meaningful to me because you'll be creating a connection. Something you have in common, something he enjoyed, something was his hobby, something he did. And when you do it, you'll be connecting to him. Lahavdil el of Avdalos. Because Baruch says, I enjoy A, B, and C. These are my values, these are my ideals. When you do the mitzvah, you're connecting to me. We have something in common. We're doing something that we care about together. The mitzvah is the means through which we connect with him. But you could do a mitzvah in one of two ways. A mitzvah can be an empty act, a gesture. It can be a checklist. Let the candles done, made the bracha done, David done, gave stucca done, blew the shofar done, shook the lulav done, heard the megillah done, lit the Hanukkah candles done, 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 done. God, it's the end of the year. I'd like to submit my form. There's a check next to everything on it. Done, 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 done. God says, it's nice you did all that. I, I didn't feel that I was there at any one of those acts. I don't remember you're connecting with me in any one of those moments. Checklist, 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 checklist. It's like you get back your car after the oil change. They said, yeah, we filled the window washer fluid and the brake fluid, and we uh, also uh, ch- changed the oil. Check, 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 check. But you're not looking for a relationship with the mechanic. So you don't need him to be thinking about you or connecting with you when he's doing those things because all you care about is the functionality of the car, and if he takes care to make sure that the car has the maintenance on it, you're good to go. But Hashem's relationship with us, he doesn't ask us to do all those things in our life because he just wants us to be functional. He does it because he wants us to have that relationship.
He wants us to have that relationship. There's a story with the Ger Rebbe who had a chassid who was going to Europe on a business trip to another part of Europe. And so he came to the Rebbe, was the minute to say goodbye before he went on the trip. So the Rebbe said to him, you're going to Paris. You know there's a brand of cigar. It's not a theme, but this happens to be a true story. There's a brand of cigar which is uh, very exclusive, which I've heard is amazing. And when you go to Paris, if you could pick me up a, a case of the cigar, if you could pick me up, I would be very appreciative. Please get the cigar. So the business, the chassid goes, the businessman goes on his business trip and he goes city to city to city. He's doing business and he's in Paris and he has his several meetings and he, and he leaves Paris and he forgot to get the cigars. So he comes back and he buys uh, in the duty-free, I'm making up, uh, he buys the Rebbe some great single malt scotch and he comes to the Rebbe when he comes back to check in, get a bracha. He's back from the Rebbe, so I've used with the Rebbe. And he says, Rebbe, I had my business trip and I went well, Baruch Hashem was successful. I forgot to get the cigars, but I got this other gift. And the Rebbe looks at him and says, don't you understand? It wasn't the cigars that I wanted. I don't care about cigars. I wanted you to remember, even while you're on this trip, that you have a Rebbe. Yeah. Throughout the trip, I wanted you to remember that you have a Rebbe and that he has expectations of you and that you strive for holiness. It was never about the cigars. It was so that throughout the trip, you would remember you have a Rebbe. So the Rebbe Shalom says, you know what the mitzvahs are for? The mitzvahs enhance your life. Every mitzvah has a reason and a tam and a sweetness and a flavor. But Hashem says, throughout your day, I want you to remember I'm here. Make a hundred brachas during the day. Enjoy that great coffee. Make the bracha. Remember who invented the coffee bean. Remember how it got to you. Enjoy the aroma and the flavor and the caffeine burst. And remember where it all, who designed it, where it all came from. So I'm inviting you throughout the day to remember I'm here, says Hashem. The mitzvah is not an empty gesture act. It's not like the maintenance on your car. It's in order to have a relationship. Remember, I'm here. We'll pick up with this next time, but I want to tell you one, in closing, one last of our Torah. I said it yesterday at the Parsha Shir, but it bears repeating because I really, really love this word of the Chavetz Chaim. So I'm going to repeat it here. Chavetz Chaim says the following, very quickly. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, Al tomar eshne. Never say, you know, when I have time, that's when I'll grow religiously. Right now, I'm trying to raise young children. Right now, I'm still working. Right now, I'm at a stage I'm going to 400 doctors a day and six rehabs a day. Right now, I'm busy, busy, busy. I'm stressed, 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 overwhelmed, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Ah, no time for you right now, God, but I promise you're on my calendar for 2045. I promise. When I retire and when I have time and when the grandchildren leave their visit and when the doctor subsides and when I conclude the rehab and when the kids grow up and graduate, then I'll start Nach Yomi then, I'll start Daf Yomi then, I'll go to classes then, I'll really work on myself. Shabbos, Kashrus, Sneez, Taras HaMeshpach, I'll do it all then. Says the Mishnah, never say that. Why? Because first of all, you never know if you'll get to that point in life. And tragically, we know that all too well. Never ever wait, because you never know, you have to live each day to its fullest. So it says the Chafetz Chaim, that's the pshat when Hashem sees Moshe at the burning bush, and he says, take your shoes off. And what does the Pasuk say? Ki made admas kodeshu. The grand, the earth that you're standing on, this is holy ground. So the Chafetz Chaim says, read it differently. Hamakum made the place you are in life, it's Kodeshu. Wherever you are in life, at whatever stage and whatever's happening around you, and however many responsibilities, and however long your to-do list, and however many reasons and excuses for you not to be able to, know Kodeshu. You can find Kedusha 
in every makam asherata umeda love. Are you home? Are you on a business trip? Are you on vacation? Are you retired? Are you working hard? Are your children young? Are they grown up? Are you single and waiting for children? Whatever stage you are in life, hamakum asherata umeda love, whatever makum you're in in life, kodeshu. It has the potential for holiness. Stop chasing happiness and you will find Amir Tashem holiness. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful day.